Cozy Nook Explorers. I'm Jackie. And I'm John. And we are the Cozy Nook Explorers. Welcome to our show where we explore the world from our cozy nook here in New Jersey using the power of the internet. Yes, and it's Wednesday, which means it's time for another exploration. This week we are going to Marfa, Texas. Marfa, Marfa, Marfa. And for those of you who have not heard of this town, we did not forget how to pronounce Martha. Uh, there is a really a place called Marfa, uh, spelled M-A-R-F-A. Oh, and speaking of Wednesday, I think we should take a moment to let our listeners know that we put out a new episode once a week on Wednesdays. Yes, agreed. I don't know if we ever really clarified that, but this is a weekly podcast, and you can expect a new show in your feed every Wednesday. On Wednesdays, we explore. And keep it cozy. <laughs> Speaking of cozy, uh, what's uh, keeping you cozy this week? Well, John, Sunday fun day is keeping me cozy. So Sundays have become a very special time for me. It's actually now... <gasps> Shocker, a day off, which is something I haven't really implemented for myself pretty much my whole life. And it's been great. You know, I actually think it's making me more productive and it's, I mean, obviously awesome. So on Sunday fun day, there's a lot of relaxing, a lot of decaf coffee to make sure that I don't get too jittery and a lot of television. Also, sometimes pancakes. Does Sunday fun day need to happen on a Sunday? No, it can happen on any day. I pretty much think I'd call it Sunday fun day no matter what day it is, just because it's just one, it rhymes and I like it. And two, just because there's this idea in my head that Sunday means rest, so it helps me to relax. And uh, what is your favorite Sunday fun day activity? A nice, big, long walk. I love walking, so it's so nice to go on a walk, especially when you can bring a few snacks and some water and you don't have to be back by a certain time and you can just, you know, take it at a leisurely pace, sit on a bench when you want. Um, Like I said, you know, have an apple, have a few almonds. That's definitely probably my favorite activity. Um, Yeah. So, John, what's keeping you cozy this week? The thing that's keeping me cozy this week uh, are oil paintings. Ooh, pretty. Yes. um, I think that they're something that brightens up a room unlike anything else. Um, They can be pretty much an image of anything. So there's there's that ubiquity to them. But there's a... Um, a sense of hominess always in just having something with a frame that is a, a picture of something, even if it is abstract. Hmm. Do you have a favorite oil painting? Uh, I, I do. I would say um, it's it's really uh, cliche, but uh, Van Gogh's Starry Night is, mm. is my favorite. Well, it is, you know, famous for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing. So uh, now this is a bit of a Odd question, but I'm just curious. If you were to have an oil painting done of yourself today, would you want to dress in olden time clothes and have like a classic oil painting, or would you want to dress in modern clothes? I actually, um, I have 
had an oil painting uh, done of me. Actually, uh, it's a it's a bit of a, a long, convoluted story, which I I can't wait to tell uh, one day. Um, but suffice it to say, an oil painting was done of me, not because I, I chose to, but because it was required of me for a, uh, a specific instance, which I'll get into later. But yeah, it uh, it I, I believe my parents uh, still have it, but it was done of me when I was a, a teenager. And uh, yeah, it it uh, it hangs in their uh, in their their home. Wait, are you in olden time clothes or modern clothes? I, I'm I'm in I'm in modern clothes. Oh no, I but, really wanted you to be in olden time no, clothes. No, no, sorry, but oh, uh, that would have been great. Yeah, <laughs> just the, one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's embarrassing. I, I'm definitely a teenager in the photos and it was done as a joke. It, it was done as a, uh, a sight gag for something. Oh, but, um, I see. Oh, well, I bet you look nice. <laughs> well, yeah, you can go with that in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, in my mind, you're wearing like, you know, some regal 1800s garb <laughs> and you're just like, out in the woods or something. I don't know. I have this idea. It's great, but I'd love to see that oil painting. We'll have to ask your parents. Yes. Um, but uh, suffice it to say, uh, should we uh, get into the show and explore Marfa? Yeah. All right. Let's go. So let's begin by saying howdy. No, let's not. Hee-haw. <laughs> I'm not sure that's the way to go either. Beyonce. I'm not sure how Beyonce became a greeting to you. Did you know that Beyonce has been to Marfa, Texas? I saw that. Uh, it seems like a hotspot for celebrities and fancy film and art people. Uh, so, Marfa is a very rural West Texas town about 90 minutes away from Big Bend National Park. It's basically a fancy, arts and craftsy Texas town with alien lights and burritos. That about sums it up. <laughs> um, Marfa has a population of about 1,800 people, and their website homepage says, tough to get here, tougher to explain, but once you get here, you get it. Their homepage also says that Beyonce has been there. <laughs> We already covered that. It's worth covering twice. Moving on. If we are going to be moving on, we really should talk about Prada Marfa. Way to bury the lead. Uh, we just said there are alien lights, and we're just going to leave that hanging out there. We need to talk about the Marfa lights. People are guaranteed to be able to see Prada Marfa. If they visit, they aren't necessarily going to see the lights. But there is a weird Twilight Zone-like stuff that is going on, and we're not going to talk about it because people might not see it. Okay, let's do rock, paper, scissors. All right. One, One two, two, three. three. <laughs> Strange lights in the sky wins. Okay, we will talk about Prada Marfa in a moment, but let's start with the light. John, tell us exactly what the Marfa lights are. Well... No one really knows. Well, that was interesting. <laughs> Moving on to Wait, Prada wait, 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 wait. No one really knows, uh, but there have been sightings for a really long time. I saw that the Native Americans thought that they were falling stars. Except they can't be seen from other locations, so that pretty much rules out falling stars. Uh, they can be seen from Marfa if you stare east over the Mitchell Flat. But you're not guaranteed to see it. This is true. 
which even makes the experience all the more mysterious, uh, is that uh, they appear at random times so you don't know when they're going to show up. I read that a lot of people think it's aliens. I've also read that some type of ghosts. Ooh, spooky. (laughs) There are reports all the way back to 1883 when a Robert Reed Ellison, who was driving a herd of cattle in Mitchell Flats, uh, saw a number of what he thought were campfires, but there were no stones, no ash, no evidence of a fire whatsoever. Hmm. Then he talked to some people in the area who said, yeah, we see those lights in the area all the time. I saw that a number of World War II pilots tried to fly over the lights. They did, uh, from Midland Airfield, and they couldn't figure out what they were. Did you see the explanation about the Phantom Morgana? I did. A Phantom Morgana occurs when a layer of calm, warm air rests above a layer of cooler air, and it creates an optical illusion. It creates a huge mirage, uh, and it can make ships at sea look like they're sailing above a horizon. Um, Mm. But I haven't seen anything that says they can do the same thing with lights. But I think it's actually part of what is going on here. Do tell, you mysterious light expert. (laughs) I am hardly an expert, but I went through so much footage of the lights. And I have to say, I think there is something to the idea that physics students from the University of Dallas, Texas came up with, which is the lights come from the cars coming from the seven, I'm sorry, the 67 (laughs) highway. Hmm. Uh, Well, often, um, at least often enough in the footage, I would see two lights that move across the sky and they moved as if they were perfectly parallel like the lights of a car. But there were no cars in Texas in 1883. I know, which makes it all the weirder. Sometimes the lights appear as single lights, sometimes a variety of colors. Some people say it's a type of swamp gas. But there are no swamps in West Texas. Correct. But there are petroleum reserves that can produce methane and have a potential swamp gas-like effect. I like the... in. How do you say it? Igneous? Igneous, yes. The igneous rock theory, um, because I remember igneous rocks from our Grand Canyon exploration, even though I'm not very good at pronouncing it. (laughs) The theory states that igneous rocks create a piezo... How do you say it, John? Piezoelectric? Piezoelectric? One of those, yeah. Piezo or piezoelectric charge. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just put two quarters in the adventure (laughs) jar. Uh, uh, Even that theory is speculation. The Rolling Stones even mention it in the song No Spare Parts. Uh, In that song, um, they get lost in Texas, and the proof that they are really lost is that they see the lights of Marfa. Even the Rolling Stones are saying this is real. The point is, this location has no explanation of a real phenomena, and it is worth exploring. Speaking of worth exploring, we should talk about all of the retail locations that are worth exploring. I thought you wanted to talk about Prada Marfa. Well, we'll get there. In regards to retail, it seems like there are quite a few stores that are art galleries and art galleries that are stores. I was looking through the different places to shop, and many of them carry handmade items that are presented in a art gallery style. The stores look nice, but given my personal budget, I am pretty sure I'd be window shopping in Marfa. But of course, there is Prada Marfa. There it is. Yes, there it is. (laughs) 
We should explain that there is not a real Prada store in Marfa. Well, yes and no. Well, which is it? Neither and both. Oh boy. Let me explain. It all makes sense, kind of. So, Prada Marfa is a permanent art installation of a Prada store that is in the middle of the desert about 26 miles from Marfa. We're talking about a place that looks exactly like a Prada shoe store off the side of a, <laughs> off the side of a road, uh, and uh, there's nothing but desert as far as the eye can see. Prada sells a lot more than shoes, John, and Prada Marfa doesn't sell anything, but it's a pretty cool site. It has been there since October of 2005, and 15 years later, it is a great photo opportunity. So when you look up Marfa, you see tons of photos of it online. The backstory is quite interesting. It was made by the art duo Michael Elmgreen and Igner Dragset. They described the work as a pop architectural land art project. What? I don't know, John. It's art. Inside the installation, there are actual Prada bags and shoes that were provided by the head designer of Prada. And when it was built, they had originally planned to never repair the building and let it degrade over time. But it was unfortunately vandalized and robbed on the first night it formally opened. Yikes. Yes, agreed. Since then, they've taken extra precautions to be sure that the installation stays safe. After that, it doesn't seem like too much happened until 2013 when there was a potential that the installation would need to be taken down. The Texas Department of Transportation said it did not fit the specifications of a billboard and claimed that it was an advertisement. There's a little more to the story that's not exactly family-friendly, that's very interesting and worth looking up if you are an adult. After the allegations, the designers of Prada Marfa noted that it's not technically an advertisement because they were not paid by Prada to create it. Eventually, the state created a go-around where Prada Marfa was made into a museum, and the only exhibit is Prada Marfa. So now it's a museum, and I'm imagining it will be around for many years to come. Wow. I bet this is a great place to visit during the pandemic because it is drivable and it's a perfect social distance outing. You don't need to touch anything, and it's in the middle of nowhere, so you can definitely keep a six-foot distance. Yes. Go get your snazzy photo. Um, if you're in the area, at least. <laughs> Did you see the information about the Hotel um, Paisano? I did. I think we should talk about it after a quick break. Yeah, sounds good. See you soon. Hi, Ugg. Hi, Susan. What are you up to? Me was talking to all the other cave people. Ugg, it is 30,000 BCE now. You can just say people. All of the other people who live in cave... Uh, they see you stand in front of cave wall all day. Mm -hmm. And they say you smash up things that are colorful and place colorful things in your hand. Yes. Then you put your hands on the cave wall and move them around. Okay. So all the cave people, um, uh, people who live in cave want to know, uh, why are you doing this? I am making art. Oh. What is art? It's self-expression. Me no understand. 
Look at this, for instance. What do you see? Color on cave wall. Well, yes, but this is a deer. Deer is three-dimensional. This not deer. Well, it's a picture of a deer, and I made it. You made a deer that is not a deer. This is confusing. Why you do this? I do this to express things that are in your mind. You have deer in your mind? Deer is big. How did it get in your mind? Well, I mean, not literally. I just wanted to see a deer that is in my mind, and so now it's on the wall. Susan, me can get you deer. Me can kill deer and put it on wall. It will fall when Ugg takes his hands away, but me could still do it. That's why we have paintings, so our arms don't get tired. Oh. Paintings, so your arms don't get tired. So the Hotel Paisano is a beautiful historical hotel that was opened in 1930 and in 1955 when the movie Giant was filmed in Marfa, uh, which starred Elizabeth Taylor, Rock Hudson, and James Dean. All of them use the hotel as their main headquarters. So neat. According to one video I saw, the cast and crew even watch the film dailies in the lobby. Many people visit the hotel to remember the movie. It was also James Dean. <laughs> James Dean's final movie before he passed away. There you uh, go. So the hotel actually preserves the room he stayed in as much as possible, even though it's a bit worn. They even have the original tile from the 1950s in the bathroom. No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood were also shot in the Martha area. Uh, have you seen either of those movies? No, too violent. Um, but what is that quote everyone does? Oh, um... I drink your milkshake. That one? Yeah, that one. It's not a very cozy quote. I mean, I like milkshakes. (laughs) It's not just the movies. Um, Marfa has 14 art galleries. 14? 14 in an area roughly the size of two Disneylands. Aw, two Disneylands. So cozy. This place is something. So many art installations, so many people have contributed to this cultural achievement that is this town. But the first person to kickstart the art scene in Marfa is Donald Judd. Mr. Judd! He came to Marfa in the 1970s. And he turned an old military base Wait, into- wait. I, I think we have to go back in time a bit to the beginning of the Marfa Army Air Base. Well... Uh, Then we might as well go back even further uh, to the 1880s, when Marfa was a water stop. Yes. No one knows for sure how the town got its name. People have speculated that it may have been named after characters from either Dostoevsky or (laughs) Jules Verne novels. Uh, Dostoevsky? Yes. (laughs) For some reason, I can say it correctly when we are not recording. (laughs) I had read a railroad executive, uh, a a railroad executive's wife, I should say, had named it, but I wasn't able to confirm that anywhere. Even the town name is a mystery. Everything is a mystery with this place. Um, But later, the town got a military base in the form of the Marfa Army Airfield. Later, the airfield closed down, and in 1970... Who should move in but an artist named Donald Judd? 
He more or less bought a significant portion of the airfield to create permanent art fixtures. He got this huge grant from the National Endowment of the Arts and bought roughly 32,000 acres. That's 64 Disneylands just out of town. And his art is still there. I would look at his work and think it was minimalism and sculpture. As an example, he has a piece that's over 60 concrete units that surround the property that look like very large boxes. You know, he would not call his work minimalism. He described it as three-dimensional objects that were neither sculpture nor paintings. Whatever they are, they are so beautiful. But if you go to see his work, be prepared to only be able to, to describe it to your friends. You're not allowed to take pictures of the art so you can have a more personal experience. There are so many pieces by Judd and other artists within all of the art places in the area. Do you have a favorite? I definitely could choose a favorite. Oh, do tell. It's Robert Irwin's untitled Dawn to Dusk, which is a confusing title. That's the art piece that is a whole building. Yes, it's like a temple to light and darkness. Um, it's like if the afterlife had a waiting room, uh, that, that's what that would be. My words failed to describe this place, but, um, it is my number one stop if I ever make it there. The Chinati Chinati Foundation. Oh my goodness. Today is not my pronunciation day. The Chinati Foundation is the organization in charge of that building and a lot of the work in the area. And that's a great thing to check out. We also wanted to mention that over the years since Judd moved to the area, a number of wealthy individuals have moved to Marfa because it is such a wonderful place to live. However, this has raised property tax and the cost of living in the area on everyone, even those who have lived for a long time or lived there for a long time. This has created a difficult problem for many longtime residents for which there is no easy solution. If you are interested in learning more about this issue, we will link to an informative New York Times article in the show notes. And with that, I think our exploration has come to an end. Yeah, we'll see you soon for our community shout out. It's Sunday. Fun day, no time to run today. Pancake breakfast and movies all day. It's Sunday. Hey, Jackie. Yeah. It's Wednesday. Oh, it's Wednesday, Friends Day. Puppies will. So. Every episode, we like to take some time to research and highlight something special in the community. This week's community shout-out is the Blackwell School. The Blackwell School was authorized by the school board to be built for the Hispanic children who lived in Marfa. The building was opened in 1909. As a little context, as early as 1889... Texas school districts used a de facto segregation to separate the Mexican-American students from the Anglo students. Segregating Hispanic students was not a state law like it was for African-American students, but Texas chose to segregate the children anyway. Ugh, that's so terrible. Agreed. But even though the Hispanic children were in segregated schools with less resources than the equivalent Anglo schools, the Blackwell School was quite an educational hub. They even had a marching band and a football team. 
The Blackwell School was just for grade school and middle school, and children who wanted a high school education would go to the local high school. This was not something that was expected, but by the 1960s, most of the Blackwell students were continuing on to high school, which is really awesome. Something that was unfortunate about their education is that the students were only allowed to speak English and not Spanish. The children would even be instructed to write down phrases in Spanish and bury them. Ugh, that's so sad. I have to say the history of the Blackwell School is a complicated one, but the reason we wanted to talk about it is because today in 2020, the Blackwell School building was actually saved by some of its old students, and what they are doing is very inspiring. Yes. Segregation ended in 1965, which is only 55 years ago. And that means that many students who attended the Blackwell School are still alive. When the building was almost torn down in 2006, a group of former students who called themselves the Blackwell School Alliance proposed a plan to make the old schoolhouse into an inclusive community center. They secured a 99-year lease, and the schoolhouse is now a dedicated Texas historic landmark. It is a nonprofit organization that teaches about the history of Hispanic culture in Marfa, as well as educating about the past segregation in Marfa. They also have a block party every year that looks awesome. I would definitely want to plan a trip to Marfa around being able to attend that and visit the Blackwell School. Unfortunately, the block party had to be canceled this year because of the pandemic, but hopefully it'll be able to happen next year. We will put a link to the Blackwell School's website in the show notes, along with a link to an article from Texas Monthly that gives a deeper and more detailed explanation of the history of the school. Sounds great, John. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you so much to our producer, Charles. Yeah, thanks, Charles. And thank you so much to our correspondent, Daniel Roberts, a Texas native, for suggesting we look into Marfa. And of course, thank you so much to our listeners. If you've been enjoying this podcast, we would really appreciate it if you took the time to rate the show and write a review. We will be back Wednesday with our next exploration. Yes. On Wednesdays, we explore. Stay cozy, and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.